Good morning, brothers and sisters. We extend a welcome, hearty welcome to all those who have joined us here this morning to worship our triune God. Special welcome to any visitors who have joined us by the live stream and also those who are here in church as well. May we all be comforted and encouraged through the preaching of the gospel of salvation through Jesus Christ and also with the celebration of Lord's Supper this morning. May God be glorified in our worship. Consistory has the following announcements. Brother Ethan So has arrived with an attestation from the First Evangelical Reformed Church in Singapore. We welcome Ethan back into our midst. This Friday, the Lord willing, we will meet together to worship, to commemorate the death of our dear Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This Good Friday service will commence at 9.30. All wards are invited to attend. Reverend Poppy will lead the worship service this morning, and this afternoon it, it will be done by our brother, Jaden Boer. Before we commence, let us sing together Psalm 101, verse 1. Morning, brothers and sisters. Please rise and let's worship the Lord. As God's people, we confess that our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. Amen. Receive the blessing of God. Grace to you in peace from him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits who are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ who is the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth. Amen. Let's now sing together. We're going to sing from Psalm 46, the verses 1 and 5.
the Lord has given us his law in order to convict us of our sin and also to show us what he's done for us in his son, Jesus Christ. Let's now listen to the words of God's law as we find that in Deuteronomy chapter 5. And God spoke all these words saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and who keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy, as the Lord your God commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, or your male servant or your female servant, or your ox or your donkey or any of your livestock or the sojourner who's within your gates, that your male servant and your female servant may rest as well as you. You shall remember that you are a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. Honor your father and your mother, as the Lord your God commanded you, that your days may be long, and that it may go well with you in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor, you shall not covet your neighbor's wife, you shall not desire your neighbor's house, his field, or his male servant or his female servant, his ox or his donkey, or anything that is your neighbor's. Let's now sing together, we're going to make a confession of our sins, we'll sing together from Psalm 79, verse 3.
Let's now pray to the Lord our God and let's ask God for his blessing over this worship service. Almighty God and Father in heaven, we humble ourselves before you this morning, Lord. We're so thankful that we may come into your presence, that you are God, that we are your people, that you love us, that you've entered into a relationship with us, you've extended covenant promises to us. We honor you, Father, that you're a God of love and faithfulness, that you're a God who's true to your word. You keep the promises that you make, and you fulfill them for the sake of your name. And Father in heaven, we bring to remembrance one of your ancient promises. You said that if my people, who are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and forgive their sins and will heal their land. Father, we would like to fulfill the conditions of this promise or of this calling so that we may receive what has been promised. We confess that our hearts are evil and that they need to be changed. We confess that we have a lot of sinful ideas within us that are offensive to you. We confess, Father, that we've been greedy and covetous and discontent. We confess, Lord, that we try to be self-sufficient. We don't seek your help. We often try in our own strength to fix our problems. We talk to a lot of other people, but we don't necessarily rely upon you. Father, we confess that we've been deeply ungrateful at times. You've blessed us with so much wealth, with so many good things, with such a rich life, with health and, and with everything we could possibly need. Yet at times we turn around and we still complain against you. Father, we confess that we've made idols in our lives out of pleasure and sports and entertainment and comfort and ourselves. That instead of putting you in the center of our lives, we've allowed ourselves to become the center. And Father, we confess that we've also lived in conflict with the people around us. We've said and done things that are not loving, but instead that are, that are disrespectful, that are selfish, that are proud. Things where we're disobedient. And we humble ourselves before you because of our sins. We confess these sins to you. And we plead with you, Father, that you would forgive us. Lord, we, we pray that you show us your grace for Jesus' sake. We ask that you give each one of us a contrite heart, and then that you accept the punishment of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, on our behalf. Father, as we open your word this morning as well, as we hear about these things, and as we celebrate the sacrament of the Lord's Supper this morning, we pray that you would strengthen us in our faith, that we realize how rich we are in Christ, and what a great God you are, and what riches you extend to us because of your love and faithfulness. And that we pray, Lord, that our hearts may be filled with gratitude to you, that we may devote our lives to your service. Please help us in these things, Father. Please do it for Jesus' sake. Amen. So, brothers and sisters, this morning I have the privilege of bringing God's word to you as we find that in Deuteronomy chapter 4, the verses 32 to 40. In a few weeks, we're hoping to have our next Ward Bible study, and this is the passage that we hope to look at during the Ward Bible study. Next week, we have Easter and then the weeks after that, actually, I'm not going to be on the pulpit. And so I thought it's appropriate that we use this time to, uh, to look at, at this passage. So I invite you to open your Bible with me. We're going to read together from Deuteronomy chapter 4. The text is taken from verse 32 to 40, but I'd like to start reading with you Deuteronomy 4 verse 1. 
You can find that on page 175 of your guest Bible. Hear God's word. And now, O Israel, listen to the statutes and the rules that I'm teaching you, and do them, that you may live, and go in and take possession of the land the Lord, the God of your fathers, is giving you. You shall not add to the word that I command you, nor take from it, that you may keep the commandments of the Lord your God that I command you. Your eyes have seen what the Lord did at Baal Peor, for the Lord your God destroyed from among you all the men who followed the Baal of Peor. But you who held fast to the Lord your God are all alive today. See, I have taught you statutes and rules, as the Lord my God commanded me, that you should do them in the land that you are entering to take possession of it. Keep them and do them, for that will be your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the peoples, who when they hear all these statutes will say, Surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. For what great nation is there that has a God so near to it as the Lord our God is to us whenever we call upon him? And what great nation is there that has statutes and rules so righteous as all this law that I set before you today? Only take care and keep your soul diligently, lest you forget the things that your eyes have seen and lest they depart from your heart all the days of your life. Make them known to your children and your children's children, how on the day that you stood before the Lord your God at Horeb, the Lord said to me, Gather the people to me, that I may let them hear my words, so that they may learn to fear me all the days that they live on the earth, and that they may teach their children also. And you came near and stood at the foot of the mountain, while the mountain burned with fire to the heart of heaven, wrapped in darkness, cloud, and gloom. That the Lord spoke to you out of the midst of the fire. You heard the sound of words, but saw no form. There was only a voice. And he declared to you his covenant, which he commanded you to perform, that is, the Ten Commandments. And he wrote them on two tablets of stone. And the Lord commanded me at that time to teach you statutes and rules, that you might do them in the land that you are going over to possess. Therefore, watch yourselves very carefully, since you not saw no form On the day that the Lord spoke to you at Horeb out of the midst of the fire, beware lest you act corruptly by making a carved image for yourselves in the form of any figure, the likeness of male or female, the likeness of any animal that is on the earth, the likeness of any winged bird that flies in the air, the likeness of anything that creeps on the ground, the likeness of any fish that is under the water, that is in the water under the earth. And beware lest you raise your eyes to heaven And when you see the sun and the moon and the stars, all the hosts of heaven, you be drawn away and bow down to them and serve them, things that the Lord your God has allotted to all the peoples under the whole heaven. But the Lord has taken you and brought you out of the iron furnace, out of Egypt, to be a people of his own inheritance, as you are at this day. Furthermore, the Lord was angry with me because of you, and he swore that I should not cross the Jordan that I should not enter the good land that the Lord your God has given you for an inheritance. For I must die in this land. I must not go over the Jordan. But you shall go over and take possession of that good land. Take care, lest you forget the covenant of the Lord your God, which he made with you, and make a carved image, the form of anything that the Lord your God has forbidden you. For the Lord your God is a consuming fire, a jealous God. 
When you father children and children's children and have grown old in the land, if you act corruptly by making a carved image in the form of anything and by doing what is evil in the sight of the Lord your God so as to provoke him to anger, I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that you will soon utterly perish from the land you are going over the Jordan to possess. You will not live long in it, but will be utterly destroyed. And the Lord will scatter you among the peoples, and you will be left few in number among the nations where the Lord will drive you. And there you will serve gods of wood and stone, the work of human hands, that neither see, nor hear, nor eat, nor smell. But from there you will seek the Lord your God, and you will find him if you search after him with all your heart and with all your soul. When you are in tribulation and all these things come upon you in later days, you will return to the Lord your God and obey his voice. For the Lord your God is a merciful God. He will not leave you or destroy you or forget the covenant with your fathers that he swore to them. So far the reading of God's word. Let's now sing together from Psalm 119, the verses 1 and 4.
Brothers and sisters, the text for this morning is taken from the chapter we just read together from Deuteronomy 4, the verses 32 to 40. Let's read those verses together. Deuteronomy 4, starting at verse 32. For ask now of the days that are past, which were before you, since the day that God created man on the earth, and ask from one end of heaven to the other whether such a great thing as this has ever happened or was ever heard of. Did any people ever hear the voice of a God speaking out of the midst of fire as you heard and still live? Or has any God ever attempted to go and take a nation for himself from the midst of another nation by trials, by signs, by wonders, and by war, by a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, and by great deeds of terror? all of which the Lord your God did for you in Egypt before your eyes? To you it was shown that you might know that the Lord is God. There is no other besides him. Out of heaven he let you hear his voice that he might discipline you. And on earth he let you see his great fire and you heard his words out of the midst of the fire. And because he loved your fathers and chose their offspring after them and brought you out of Egypt with his own presence by his great power, driving out before you nations greater and mightier than you to bring you in, to give you their land for an inheritance as it is this day. Know therefore today and lay it to your heart that the Lord is God in heaven above and on the earth beneath. There is no other. Therefore you shall keep his statutes and his commandments, which I command you today, that it may go well with you and, that, and with your children after you and that you may prolong your days in the land that the Lord your God is giving you for all time. Well, after the proclamation of God's word, we're going to sing together. We'll sing from Psalm 115, the verses 1, 2, and 5. Dear brothers and sisters, congregation loved by the Lord Jesus Christ, what is the basic orientation of your life? If someone was to look at your inner life, your thoughts, your motives, your goals, your intentions, what really drives you, then what would they see? You know, the quiet moments of your day, when you wake up in the morning or if you have some downtime, then where does your mind drift? What kinds of things are really important to you? Is it your job? Or your family? Or maybe your friends or some of the things you read on social media? Or is it making money or your investments? Or is it God, his church? Or is it your house? Maybe your car, maybe sports or entertainment? Maybe your hobby? Or maybe something else? Now the reason I ask the question is because the Lord teaches us that it's important for us to figure out our priorities. If you want a good life, if you want a life that's wholesome, that's rightly ordered, a life that rests under God's blessing, then our Father says that the most foundational thing you need to do 
is you need to put him in the center of your life. The book of Deuteronomy is, is the final word that Moses gave to the Israelites prior to them crossing the Jordan to go in to the promised land. And it's, it's a book in which God teaches his people what it's going to take for them to live under his blessing when they come into this new land. And so what God does in these first chapters is he kind of reflects back a little bit on their history and then he looks forward to the future. And in these chapters especially, he impresses on them that the most important thing in their life is that they center and orient their lives on the Lord. Well, this book of Deuteronomy, it, it's, it's sometimes called, literally the word Deuteronomy means second law. And so it's sometimes called the book of the law. It's the, the Lord giving his laws to his people one last time before they, they go in, they take possession of this promised land. But then it's interesting, if you read through the book of the law, the laws only actually come in chapters 12 to 34, in the second half of the book. In the first half of the book, what the Lord does, what Moses says here, is he teaches his people that what's most important is the basic orientation of their lives. It's not enough that you just obey the law. Now God's saying what he really wants is he wants your heart. He wants that you know him and that you love him with your whole heart, that you orient your whole life towards him, that everything you do is focused on who he is and what he's done for you. And that's something that, that comes out in our chapter here. It comes out in the next couple of chapters. It's really the first 11 chapters. You see it again in Deuteronomy 6, verse 5. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. Or you read it again in Deuteronomy 10, verse 12. And now, O Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and to keep the commandments and statutes of the Lord, which I am commanding you today for your good? The Lord says to you, brothers and sisters, the most important thing is that you devote your heart towards him. And the real danger is that you set your hearts on other things. It's a warning that comes back over and over. Deuteronomy 4, verse 3, beginning of this chapter, the Lord reminded his people of what happened to those who went along in worshiping the Baal of Peor. Numbers 25, it tells us the story. The Israelites, they... They met with the Moabites. The Moabites couldn't curse them. They couldn't overcome them. And so they made the decision, we're just going to integrate with them. And so they had a party. And some of the men of Israel started sleeping with some of these Moabite women. And they worshipped their God. Well, here you see one of the real dangers. One of the ways that your heart gets led away from the Lord is through sexual sin, through sexual immorality, through lust. It often happens that, that those who get caught in that sin, they drift. And they end up in this place where, where they get caught up with the people of this world. Or a few chapters later, Moses warns the Israelites against drifting again. This time in Deuteronomy 6, he warns them not to forget the Lord when life is good. He's about to give them cities that they didn't build and cisterns that they didn't dig. 
and houses filled with good things that they didn't fill, and olives, olive trees and vineyards that they didn't plant. They're going to literally have everything they could possibly want. When they get to that stage, the Lord says, you need to be really careful that you don't let your heart drift. Because if you have everything, then it's so easy that you focus your attention on those things, that you get caught up with everything. And then the other danger along with that is the danger that you become proud. God mentions that in Deuteronomy 8, verse 6. When you have all these good things, then it's really easy to think that my strength and the power of my hands have got these things for me. And so the Lord warns his people and he says, well, don't, don't fall into that trap. Don't forget that everything you have and everything you are is a gift of the Lord. Well, you read about these warnings, brothers and sisters, and you think to yourself, you know, couldn't they have been written for us? Our hearts are no different from the Israelites long ago. These are the real dangers that we face. You know, how many do not struggle with sexual, with sexual sin, with lust, with sexual morality, with pornography? How often do we, get not, do we not get caught up with pursuing things? We have so much. We have these houses that are filled with good things. We have everything that we could possibly want. And when you have all this wealth, then it's really easy to focus your attention on that. What you can get and, and what you want and getting more of it and protecting what you have. Or else it's easy to get in the same place that when you have so much that you become proud. And that you think, you know, I can do this. And that you think, I, I've done it in the past and I can look after myself in the future. Well, it's in that context that the Lord warns not just the Israelites of old, but he also warns us today that he says, you need to watch yourself carefully. You need to be very careful that you don't set your heart on anything or anyone instead of me. In the words of verse 39 of our text, Know therefore today and lay it in your heart that the Lord is God in heaven above and on the earth beneath there is no other. Well, do you orient your life to the Lord your God, brothers and sisters? Is that the central focus of life? Is it knowing God and loving Him and living for Him, thanking Him for what He's done for you and praising Him for His gifts towards you? Now the Lord shows us here in this text that He's worth it. If you orient your life to him, you're not going to suffer for that. If you live for him, it's the best life ever. You can trust him. When he calls you to do this, then he does it because he loves you and because he wishes it to go well for you. Here in our text, the Mos Moses makes the case that God is trustworthy. He tells his people in verse 32, he says, look around you. He says, ask. Has any other God done the kinds of things for his people that your God has done for you? I'm asking you to trust me. I'm asking you to serve me. I'm asking you to put, put me in the center of your life. But then think, is there any other God like me? Has any other God ever done the kind of things that I've done? Has any God spoken out of the midst of the fire? When God came down on Mount Sinai, 
that the mountain trembled, it shook, and you had this huge fire that came down, and the smoke that came off of it was like the smoke of a kiln, and there was this deep darkness, and there was this lightning, and the voice of God was speaking in thunder, and it was a terrifying experience. Well, what other nation, what other people has ever had that kind of experience with their God? But the Lord goes on, and he asks in verse 34, he says, I rescued you from Egypt by great signs and wonders, by the ten plagues, by great deeds of terror and war. Well, again, that was unprecedented. There was no other nation that had a God who rescued them from the hands of their enemies. If you think historically about it, can you think of any other time in history where there was a nation of slaves who was caught up in the power of the superpower of the world and that the superpower was destroyed and that the nation of slaves they were free to do they were free to leave and that they even plundered the nation that used to enslave them God's saying there is no other God like me there's no one who's done the kind of things that I have there's no one who has the power that I have and then in verse 37 he takes it the next step He says, I showed my love to you and I confirmed my covenant to you by giving you the land that I promised. You had these two nations. You had Sion, king of Ashbon, and Og, king of Bashan. These these two kings, these two nations, they were greater and mightier than you. These are actually some nations. Og was was one of these giants. He was one of the Rephaites, kind of like like Goliath. He had a whole bunch of those people in their nation. Yet the Israelites went up against them and they destroyed them. Because the Lord fought for them. Because the Lord is their God. And so the Lord says, he says, you have to remember these incredible things that I've done for you. And why? Verse 35, to you it was shown that you might know that the Lord is God. There is no other besides him. You need to realize that I'm the only God. And that if you set your life on anything else, if you orient your life towards anything else, that you're picking something that's empty and meaningless that's going to lead you to profound suffering. And you have to understand, brothers and sisters, that the education that God gave to his people, it was not always real gentle. He told them that he is the only God. He also impressed that on them. It was actually quite a terrifying thing to learn that. It was at, at times, it was extremely painful. You know, for them, when they're standing at the foot of the mountain, That was a a really terrifying experience for them. They were deeply afraid. They thought they were going to die. In verse 36, Moses spells out why God did it. He says, out of heaven, he let you hear his voice that he might discipline you. And on earth, he let you see his great fire and you heard his words out of the midst of the fire. He did it to discipline you. He wants to teach you, to train you. The sense of the word discipline here is not punishing in the first sense. But it's training. It's the kind of discipline that a coach gives to his player. He disciplines his players. Because when, you, when you're disciplined, then you're able to learn what you need to learn to be on top of your game and to do what you need to do. Well, the Lord disciplined his people. He showed his glory on top of the mountain so that they might learn that he is God, that he's worthy of their worship and their adoration. And that discipline, this is not the only time. It's not the only way that, they, that God disciplined them. The word is used in a similar way in Deuteronomy 8. It's in verse 3 there. And he humbled you and he let you hunger 
and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make known to you that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Your clothing did not wear out on you, and your foot did not swell these forty years. Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, so the Lord disciplines you. God says, I, I discipline you. I trained you. I prepared you. I'm bringing you into this promised land, but I made you ready for it by showing you my glory and by teaching you to trust and depend upon me. But then along with that, there also comes the warning, brothers and sisters. Deuteronomy 8, 19, though it's really honest, he says, I taught you to trust me. But then he says, if you don't, he says, I solemnly warn you today that you will surely perish. A few verses before our text, Deuteronomy 4.26. If you don't, you will not live long in the land, but you will be utterly destroyed. If you drift, verse verses of our text again, 4 verse 3. If you fall for the sin of the Baal of Peor, if you give in to sexual immorality and you let that be part of your life, then not one of those people who committed that sin was able to enter into the promised land. Well, your father doesn't want to punish you, brothers and sisters. He wants to bless you. He wants you to live the rich and full life that he has for his people. And so in the last verse of our text, he says, Therefore you shall keep his, command, his statutes and his commandments, which I command you today, that it may go well with you and with your children after you, and that you may prolong your days in the land that the Lord is giving you, that the Lord your God is giving you for all time. You shall obey my statutes and my commands. I love you, and I want it to go well with you. And so I call you to do what I tell you. Now that's the, the call of our Lord Jesus, brothers and sisters. It's the same words. John fourteen fifteen. If you love me, you will keep my commands. Do you love the Lord? Faithful obedience to his commands, it reflects what's really living in your heart. It shows the love that you have for your Father. Was it true for you, brothers and sisters? Is your life oriented towards God? Is he the center of your life? And is that reflected by living a life of, of obedience, of gratitude to your Father for the gifts of his grace? It's pretty humbling. In a lot of ways, we want that to be the case. Sometimes we try really hard to make that the case. Yet in so many ways, we still fall short, but we still fail. It's quite interesting, when the Lord Jesus began his public ministry, the first event in his ministry is his temptations. The Spirit leads him into the desert, the devil tempts him three times. What's so striking about those temptations is that Christ strengthens himself, he responds to the devil's temptations 
but he strengthens himself with the words of these chapters of Deuteronomy. He goes back to the first 11 chapters of Deuteronomy and he picks up three phrases in these chapters that shows that his heart is oriented towards the Lord, that the Lord is his God, that he serves the Lord with the whole heart. Satan comes to him in his moment of need. He hasn't eaten for 40 days and Satan says, well, why don't you turn this this stone into bread? And Jesus responds with the words of Deuteronomy 8 verse 3, He says, man shall not live on bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. I'm not going to do it in my own strength, but I'm going to trust God that God will provide for me in due time. The devil tempts him to throw himself off the temple because God will send his angels to protect him. And Christ responds, Deuteronomy 6.16, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And Satan comes to him a third time and he says, just bow down and worship me. You don't have to suffer, Jesus. You can have it all if you just worship me. And Christ responds, Deuteronomy 6.13, You shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. He shows his whole life was oriented to his father. The Lord was the center of his life. and He was going to serve the Lord with everything he had. Well, the good news is that he is our savior, brothers and sisters. We fail. We don't live the way that we ought. We don't always orient our life towards the Lord as we ought. We drift and we get caught in sin. But the good news is that we can go to the Lord and we can confess our sin to him and we can plead with him for his grace and forgiveness. And if we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior, then he says he will forgive us. He will wipe away all the sins that we've ever committed. And he will apply all the righteousness of Christ to our account. And Christ wants you to know that. He wants you to embrace that. He wants you to experience that. He calls you to the table this morning. And he says, come. He says, eat my bread. Eat my body. Drink my blood. He says, I want you to eat the bread and wine to know for sure that I have forgiven you. And that my righteousness applies to your account. And the great thing that Christ also does is that he says, I promise to help you in the future to live this kind of a lifestyle. It's in John 14, verse 15. After saying, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And Christ continues. He says, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Christ says, I'll give you my spirit. And by my spirit, you will be able to obey my commands, and to orient your life towards the Lord your God. Amen. Brothers and sisters, let's let's sing of those who go astray. Psalm 115 is a psalm that sings of the uselessness of serving idols. They can't do anything for you. And the joy of serving the Lord instead. So Psalm 115, the verses 1, 2, and 5.
we'd have the opportunity to celebrate the Lord's Supper together. Before we do that, let's first read together the form for the celebration of the Lord's Supper. If you want to follow along, you can find that on page 603 of your book of praise. Beloved our Lord Jesus Christ, the Holy Supper has been instituted by our Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to the words of this institution as described by the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 11, the verses 23 to 29. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink from this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Whoever, therefore, eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment upon himself in order that we may now celebrate this Holy Supper of the Lord to our comfort, we must first rightly examine ourselves. Further, we must use it as Christ intended it, namely to his remembrance. True self-examination consists of the following three parts. First, let everyone consider his sins and accursedness, so that he, detesting himself, may humble himself before God. For the wrath of God against sin is so great that he could not leave it unpunished, but has punished it in his beloved son, Jesus Christ, by the bitter and shameful death on the cross. Second, let everyone search his heart, whether he also believes the sure promise of God that all his sins are forgiven him only for the sake of the suffering and death of Jesus Christ, and that the perfect righteousness of Christ is freely given him as his own, as if he himself had fulfilled all righteousness. Third, let everyone examine his conscience whether it is his sincere desire to show true thankfulness to God with his entire life, and laying aside all enmity, hatred, and envy to live with his neighbor in true love and unity. God will certainly receive in grace those who are thus minded and count them worthy to partake of the supper of our Lord Jesus Christ. But those who do not feel this testimony in their hearts eat and drink judgment upon themselves. Therefore, according to the command of Christ and of the Apostle Paul, we admonish all those who know themselves to be guilty of the following offensive sins to abstain from the table of the Lord. We declare to them that they have no part in the kingdom of Christ. All who refuse to trust in the Lord alone, or who serve him in their own manner. All who abuse the name of the Lord by cursing or in any other way. All who do not, do not diligently attend the worship services and who despise the proclamation of God's word or the sanctity of the sacraments, all who are disobedient to their parents or to others in authority over them, all who violate human life or cherish hatred against their neighbor and refuse to be reconciled to him, all who either within or outside of holy wedlock do not keep their bodies pure, all who by stealing, greed, or extravagance lead a worldly life, all liars, backbiters, and slanderers, Briefly, all who either in word or conduct show themselves to be unbelieving by leading an offensive life, 
While they persist in their sins, they shall not take of this food which Christ has ordained only for his believers. Otherwise, their judgment and condemnation will be the heavier. But all this, beloved brothers and sisters, is not meant to discourage broken and contrite hearts, as if only those who are without sin may come to the table of the Lord. For we do not come to the supper to declare that we are perfect and righteous in ourselves. On the contrary, we seek our life outside of ourselves in Jesus Christ. And in doing so, we acknowledge that we are dead in ourselves. We also are aware of our many sins and shortcomings. We do not have perfect faith, and we do not serve God with such zeal as he requires. Daily, we have to contend with the weakness of our faith and with the evil desires of our flesh. Yet by the grace of the Holy Spirit, we're heartily sorry for these shortcomings, a desire to fight against our unbelief and live according to all the commandments of God. Therefore, we may be fully assured that no sin or weakness which still remains in us against our will can prevent us from being received by God in grace and from being made worthy partakers of this heavenly food and drink. Let's now consider for what purpose the Lord has instituted this supper, namely that we should use it in remembrance of him. We're to remember him in the following manner. First of all, let's fully trust that the Lord Jesus Christ was sent by the Father into this world according to the promises made from the beginning to the fathers in the Old Testament and that he assumed our flesh and blood. From the beginning of his incarnation to the end of his life on earth, he bore for us the wrath of God, out of which we should have perished eternally. By his perfect obedience, he has for us fulfilled all the righteousness of God's law. We remember in particular that the weight of the wrath of God caused by our sins pressed out of him sweat like drops of blood falling on the ground in the garden of Gethsemane. There he was bound that he might free us from our sins. He suffered countless insults that we might never be put to shame. Though innocent, he was condemned to death that we might be acquitted at the judgment seat of God. He even let his blessed body be nailed to the cross that he might cancel the bond which stood against us because of our sins. By all this, he has taken our curse upon himself that he might fill us with his blessing. On the cross, he humbled himself in body and soul to the very deepest shame and anguish of hell. That he called out with a loud voice, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That we might be accepted by God and nevermore be forsaken by him. Finally, by his death and the shedding of his blood, he confirmed the new and eternal testament, the covenant of grace, when he said, It is finished in order that we might firmly believe that we belong to this covenant of grace, the Lord Jesus Christ, during his last Passover, instituted the Holy Supper. He gave the bread and the cup to his disciples in remembrance of him. He taught us to understand that as often as we eat this bread and drink from this cup, we are reminded and assured of his hearty love and faithfulness towards us. It's a sure pledge that he has given his body and shed his blood for us. Otherwise, we would have suffered eternal death. He nourishes and refreshes our hungry and thirsty souls with his crucified body and shed blood to everlasting life, as certainly as this bread is broken before our eyes and this cup is given to us and we eat and drink in remembrance of him. From this institution of the Holy Supper of our Lord Jesus Christ, we learn that he directs our faith and trust 
to his perfect sacrifice once offered on the cross. It is the only ground of our salvation. Thereby he has become to our hungry and thirsty souls the true food and drink of life eternal. For by his death he has removed the cause of our eternal hunger and misery, which is sin, and obtained for us the life-giving spirit. By this spirit, who dwells in Christ as the head and in us as his members, we have true communion with him, and we share in all his riches, in life eternal, in righteousness and glory. By the same spirit, we are also united in true brotherly love as members of one body. For the Apostle Paul says, because there is one bread, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one bread. As one bread is baked out of many grains, and one wine is pressed out of many grapes, so we all, incorporated in Christ by faith, are together one body. For the sake of Christ, who so exceedingly loved us first, we shall now love one another, and shall show this to one another, not just in words, but also in deeds. Father Christ has commanded us to celebrate the Holy Supper until he comes. We receive at his table a foretaste of the abundant joy which he has promised and look forward to the marriage feast of the Lamb when he will drink the wine new with us in the kingdom of his Father. Let us rejoice and give him the glory for the marriage feast of the Lamb is coming. May the almighty, heavenly God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ help us in this through his Holy Spirit. Amen. To receive all this, let's now humble ourselves before God in prayer, and let's call upon him in true faith. Merciful God and Father, we thank you that in this supper we cherish the blessed memory of the bitter death of your dear Son, Jesus Christ. Work in our hearts through the Holy Spirit that we may entrust ourselves more and more to your Son, Jesus Christ. Grant that our contrite hearts may be nourished with his true body and blood, yes, with him who is the only heavenly bread, that we may not live in our sins, but Christ in us and we in him. Let us so truly be partakers of the new and everlasting testament, the covenant of grace, that we do not doubt that you will forever be our gracious Father, nevermore imputing to us our sins, but providing us with all things for body and soul as your dear children and heirs. Grant us your grace, that we may take up our cross joyfully, deny ourselves, and confess our Savior. Let us in all tribulation await our Lord Jesus Christ, who will come from heaven to change our mortal body to be like his glorious body, and to take us to himself forever. Hear us, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Brothers and sisters, you're invited to rise, and at this stage we're going to make a profession of our faith by singing together the words of the Apostles' Creed as is set to music in hymn one.
Brothers and sisters, in order that we may now be nourished with Christ, the true heavenly bread, we must not cling with our hearts to the outward symbols of bread and wine, but lift our hearts on high in heaven where Christ our advocate is at the right hand of his heavenly Father. Let's not doubt that we shall be nourished and refreshed in our souls with his body and blood through the working of the Holy Spirit as surely as we receive the holy bread and drink in remembrance of him. In preparation for the celebration of the Lord's Supper, let's now sing together from hymn 59, verses 1 and 2. Thereafter, we invite to the table all communicant members of this congregation. We also welcome as guests to the table those who come with an attestation of their faith from sister churches. So this morning, that's our sister Elisa Bullhouse from the Free Reformed Church of Albany. That's brother and sister Burton Ingrid Knoll from the Canary Reformed Church of Burnington Fellowship. That's also our brother and sister Michael and Chinese Soul from the First Evangelical Reformed Church of Singapore. So we also welcome you and to our table. That Ethan also is a member of our church now. You're welcome to come as well. And then to any other visitors, we also ask that you refrain from coming forward as you're not under the supervision of the consistory of this congregation. At the same time, may you nonetheless be encouraged and strengthened in your faith as you witness the celebration of the Lord's Supper. So let's sing together from hymn 59, verses 1 and 2.
Brothers and sisters, the bread which we break is the communion of the body of Christ. Take, eat from it all of you. Remember and believe that the body of our Lord Jesus Christ was broken for the complete forgiveness of all our sins. Please take and eat. Brothers and sisters, the cup of blessing for which we give thanks is the communion of the blood of Christ. Take, drink from it all of you. Remember and believe that the precious blood of our Lord Jesus Christ was poured out for the complete forgiveness of all our sins. Please help yourself. Take some, uh, the, the middle circle there is grape juice and the other is wine. Brothers and sisters, the passage I'd like to read with you this morning at this stage is taken from Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy 6 is another one chapter where it really emphasizes the importance of orienting our lives towards the Lord in gratitude for what he's done. So we're going to read Deuteronomy 6. At this table, we're going to read the verses 1, 2, and 3. Find on page 178. There God's word says, Now this is the commandment, the statutes, and the rules that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you that you may do them in the land that you are going over to possess it, that you may fear the Lord your God, you and your son and your son's son, by keeping all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you, all the days of your life, and that your days may be long. Hear, therefore, O Israel, and be careful to do them, that it may go well with you, and that you may multiply greatly, as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you in a land flowing with milk and honey. So far, let's now sing together from hymn 79, verse 1.
Brothers and sisters, once again, the bread which we break is the communion of the body of Christ. Take, eat from it all of you. Remember and believe that the body of our Lord Jesus Christ was broken for the complete forgiveness of all our sins. Please take and eat. The cup of blessing for which we give thanks is the communion of the blood of Christ. Take, drink from it all of you. Remember and believe that the precious blood of our Lord Jesus Christ was poured out for the complete forgiveness of all our sins. Please take some wine. Let's continue reading with you in the book of Deuteronomy. We're going to keep reading Deuteronomy chapter 6. We're going to read the verses 4 through 9. So Deuteronomy 6 verse 4. So God's word continues. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your houses and on your gates. So far. Let's now sing together. We're going to sing once again from hymn 79, this time verse 2. Amen. 
Beloved in Christ the Lord, since the Lord has now nourished our souls at his table, let us together praise his holy name. Let everyone say in his heart, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, and who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to us, to those who fear him. For he did not spare he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? But God shows his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. Therefore my heart and my mouth shall proclaim the praise of the Lord from now on and forevermore. Amen. Let's now call.
congregation who have specific health concerns. Think of our brother Hank Huizinga. I want to ask, Lord, that you would sustain our brother. Once again, he was in the hospital. This time it was for his breathing. He's had quite a bit of trouble with that this past week. I want to ask, Lord, that you please sustain him and uphold him. The doctors need to find a way forward to, to help him. He also had some trouble with his heart, and we ask that you would please give them wisdom to know what to do. At the same time, please sustain our brother, give him faith in you, that he may trust your promises, and that he may be secure in your love towards him. Father, we thank you that he may profess these things. We ask that you would please strengthen and encourage him. I also want to ask, Lord, for a blessing over your young brother, Miles Vendun. Miles is scheduled for major surgery on Tuesday. I wish to ask you, Father, that you please be with the doctors, that you would give them steady hands to do what they need to do, to give them wisdom and insight that they're able to, to help. Miles, please grant, Lord, that you would protect him from infection, grant that they're able to do the kind of things that they need to do to fix his heart, and grant that it make it well for them. I also bring Joshua Monique before your throne of grace, Lord. Pray that you would comfort them, that you would be a father to them during this time. It's been quite a journey for them. They spent the last few months in the hospital with their son. We ask that you would be near to them, that you sustain and uphold them in, in their faith, that you shine your face on them, and that you also carry them through this. We also pray that you would be near to, to the rest of their family, to Brother Sweek and Elida Vendun, and to the other family members, and that you, that you also encourage and comfort them during this time. Dear Father, we also wish to ask you that you would please be with the elderly members of our congregation, so many different health concerns, and they have so many different challenges that they face in their lives. I want to ask, Father, that, that with your Holy Spirit, that you would comfort and encourage them. I think especially of those who are in Fairhaven, we wish to ask you that you would please take care of the, the staff and the residents of Fairhaven, as one of them have come down with COVID. Father, please be near to them, and please... Grant that you would protect them from, from serious illness and that you would protect their lives, especially vulnerable community. And so we, we ask for your help, for Jesus' sake. Thank you for the, for the faithful work that's being, being done there. And we ask that you would continue to uphold also the, the carers and the, also the, the other staff, the, the board, in the work that they do for caring for our seniors. Please help us, Lord. In so many ways, we, we can't do life on our own, but we're dependent upon your grace and blessing. Thank you for the fellowship that we may have with you this morning, and thank you for the encouragement of your word. Thank you for the day that stretches out before us, and please give us a blessed day in your service. Please hear us now, we pray, in the forgiveness of our sins, for Jesus' sake. Amen. Brothers and sisters, in a few moments, you're going to have the opportunity to give your thank offerings. The collection is going to be taken at the doorway on the way out. And the collection this morning is for the mission work in P&G. Then at this time, you're invited to rise. So we're going to sing together from hymn 63, the verses 1, 2, and 3.
receive now the blessing of God, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.